anyway, so if the, if the listeners haven't figured it out in that little bit there, we're back with Sad Songs Episode 5 as we chit-chat around Tom Reynolds' book that we've had a ton of fun with already called I Hate Myself and Want to Die. And today, this week, our episode is Chapter 5. What do you know? She hates me, I hate her. <laughs> Can I ask for a favor? Can we? You can just have get... anything you want, man. You know I want, that. I want each one of us to say those two. I want to say the title of the book, and I want to say the, the name of the chapter, because I think it would be funny to hear each of us say it, like, however we want to say it. I hate myself and want to die. She, I hate her. She hates me. Does that okay, get that that's, right? That's a good, no, that's a really good request, and I think we can squeeze that in. So let's start with Arvig. Arvig, let's hear your take on the title and this chapter's heading. Okay, so title, I hate myself and I want to die. Um, what was it? What was the title of the chapter again? I hate her, she hates me. Well, it's funny that you took it that direction. I, I oh. think that that's pretty telling, but it's she hates me, I hate her. Oh, she hates me, I hate her. <laughs> <laughs> I hate her, I hate her. Is that the name of it? I hate her. <laughs> you know, all I have to say in my defense is I've already finished off like one glass of uh, Elijah Craig. I'm moving on to Woodford Reserve. Right Happily now, married. <laughs> Happily married. That's right. Okay. As long as I have, as long as I have my medication, I'm perfectly fine with marriage. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was so too and by medication, I mean alcohol. What's that title again? Uh, she hates me. I hate her. All right, Mel, our guest of honor, brand new to the ruminations from the Red Room. First time in the Red Room, right, Mel? I hate myself and I want to die. Well, that sounds serious. We better get her a number. That did sound serious. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. That did the chapter. And the title of this chapter. He hates me and I hate her. <laughs> Charlie, our uh, our little uh, instigator of this fun little exercise. Okay, okay, okay. Let's see if I get this right. <clears throat> I hate myself and want to die. She hates Ooh. me, and I hate her. Pretty good. That actually sounded a little. Uh, I could see that being a it sample is, in a it ministry song. That was a real, real vein opener of a take there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the intro to my self help for relationships. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, what this book is just again to kind of get the ruminators caught back up again. Mr. Reynolds put together a giant list of songs that he thought were the saddest songs of all time. Some of these chapters have been fun. Some of them a little more serious. Some of them we just tore apart songs. But in all, we're just trying to get to the bottom of the sad song barrel and understand them maybe ch chat about them a little bit maybe get a little catharsis going on but here we go for this episode of what do, do i need to do one charlie i yeah, think you so do it. okay i hate myself and i want to die and <laughs> she hates me i hate her whoa a little bit of venom there buddy okay okay so yeah the first one I feel like would have been really awesome with you in like traditional clown makeup. <laughs> and then the the second one, the second one I feel like you just came in from 
like a, a in out of the pouring rain and there's some good 80s like soft music in the background you walk in the door and somebody runs up and goes what's wrong and you look up with like puppy dog <laughs> eyes but full of rage and you're like you hit that next line that's the way i saw it that's good i like the visuals good i really channeled some of my early relationships with that one i felt it man i felt it too so, that was these... rather caustic <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean for it to be. Really, when when really, it's really it was. I hate myself. She hates me. I hate me too. <laughs> yeah, Mitch is just the first part. I hate myself. Cut. Edit. <laughs> you know, we're joking and we're we're you know making light of some of these things, but it's kind of unfortunate that our first song is. Love Will Tear Us Apart by Joy Division, 1980. I love so the this Ruminators song. Out th- What's that? I love this song, too. Oh, it's a great song. It's a great song. So yeah. we're going to give those Ruminators all the songs so they can make their playlist, pause the podcast, cue up their playlist on whatever like streaming service they see fit, and get ready to rock, and then we'll count them in and bring them in. And for this episode, I think what we're going to do, for you Ruminators out there, is we're going to just let it play. We're not going to cut and edit in. So if you can hear some long silences... Don't worry, that's just us absorbing the music at the same time you are. So here's the track list. Cue it up and get ready to rock. Love Will Tear Us Apart, Joy Division, 1980. Second track, You Don't Bring Me Flowers. I can't even say it with a straight face. Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand. <laughs> hey, Third song. Funny, Neil Diamond. <laughs> Third song, In the Air Tonight, Phil Collins, 1981. Oh, you know, I'll have to drop it in later. It's going to be a surprise for the guests on tonight's episode. I've got a great soundbite that's going to be on here, so I encourage, uh, encourage you guys to listen back as well. Uh, right. So after In the Air Tonight, Phil Collins, the last track is Ruby, Don't Take Your Love to Town, Kenny Rogers. Now, for those of you playing along and have the book, you'll notice that we did cut out the song Brick uh, by Ben Folds 5. Yeah, why did we do that? Kind of in bad taste. Uh, I, I went through it and I reread uh, Reynolds' description and read the lyrics, and I just don't think it's really appropriate. I'm familiar with the lyrics, but yeah, I, I think you're right. It doesn't fit in quite with these other songs. Yeah. Uh, so we will, you know, you guys can discuss amongst you out there in the Ruminators land. Maybe send us an email, maybe send us what you think, but we're going to jump that one because it's just not really in good taste. Okay, so first track. We're going to queue it up and ready to go. Love Will Tear Us Apart by Joy Division. Uncle Charlie, why don't you count us in and the Ruminators can listen along. All right, guys, plug it in, turn it up. Ready to listen to some Joy Division in three, two, one. Everybody getting enough audio there? Yeah, I got it. Yeah. So this song made it to number 13 in the UK and number 42 in the US when it was originally released. Tragedy. Nice. Should have been a one, dude. It should have made it should have made it to number 1. Yeah, but in that year there were yeah. a lot of good songs. You know, I I think it suffered from being that early salvo of new wave movement and people didn't quite understand what they were getting at first. It's funny how the song has gone on to be even more iconic and classic. I think it's just continued to grow in its devotion and its appreciation. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, the dark space, the dark space is in my heart. Love this song. Beats. Uncle Sam's beats are blaring this song right now. Well, this song originally came out just weeks before the suicide of Ian Curtis. That's right. So that yeah. puts it into quite a little frame as well. Yeah, I read that. That was crazy. Arvig, do you have the lyrics pulled up? You're yeah. a lyric man. And spawned the birth of New Order. I just think it's interesting that Love will tear us apart again. Like he's already gone through this one time before. Well, I think in the go ahead, Mel. No, I was just gonna say, like, are, are we uh, are we all aware that like he was he was having an affair? I didn't know. I, that. I was not aware of that. Yeah, he he was having an affair, and that's why his marriage is falling apart. And uh, I I think that's probably what's behind that lyric: "Love will tear us apart again." You know, like this it has happened before or whatever. But yeah, he's you know he's he being, was he, uh, go ahead please sorry Honore maybe was her last name I don't know um, but yeah he was seeing somebody well I do see like in the lyrics where it says all my feelings exposed gets a taste in my mouth as desperation takes hold uh huh so you know talking about his feelings you know haven't had an affair yeah so I don't know what Odd came timing. first. In, in the chicken or the egg in this one because I I understand the song to be about a failing relationship that definitely that led to the affair because early, I mean if you oh, okay yeah because in in that my my favorite opening lyrics of all time right routine bites hard and ambitions are low I mean that resentment rides high but emotion that describes low, every low, marriage right there. <laughs> but, wow! <laughs> again, Mike. I mean, for other people, for chapter two. <laughs> but like, I think Arvig's know, gonna write it. his own one. Yeah, you've got this guy. Um, you know, brilliant lyrics, of course. You know, he's a very talented guy. Um, but he's he's a splitting from his wife. You know, and got the affair going on or whatever. B, he's taken he's taken downers. For his increasingly severe epilepsy, right? Yeah, he was an epileptic. Yeah, and uh, and you know, reading Kafka and Dostoevsky in the dark. So, um, yeah, that doesn't do anybody any good. I mean, yeah, it displays the mood, but so like we're talking talent, musical talent. I mean, the thing that yeah. the thing that strikes it is it's you know people who don't listen to the lyrics and look, I'm guilty of this. As a teenager, I I heard the beat and the the I I totally got caught up in their um I don't know what I don't know whether it you can call it sarcasm or whether it was just part of their punk roots to sort of hide a song that was about uh something falling apart and and almost a a, a misery anthem or a hate anthem is is kind of embedded mm -hmm. in this pop lucky sound in a way because i heard that beat and like mm -hmm. a lot of people you dance around or you think it's about uh you just hear the chorus you Wait, know you listen to this but see there is no chorus in this sound? song look when like you the... just take the beat and the the way that songs were coming at that time right let's say uh early early depeche mode 
right? Just can't get enough, right? It had that sort of British new wave beat and sound to it right. where people yeah. who weren't listening happy to the lyric, now. they yeah, were just kind of... I don't kinda... really get that. I don't, I don't see happy when I listen to this. I'm this just... is coming right out of Manchester. Like Everybody coming out yeah. of there is just a bummerific mess. But I mean, later that did. I mean, it's funny that you... To make it, like, that, that was... Like, there are interviews out there with the I forget his name from New Order, but he was part of that. And that's my next tidbit about their talent comes from that interview because he was he he notes that, you know, that was sort of their their attitude and their intent was to wrap it in something where it would be fast and uh, you know, boom boom more palatable for like a pop sensibility. Right. Like it doesn't I'm sorry, repeat uh, that. For New Order. For New Order, yeah. For, yeah. Bunner's yeah. from New Order. Yeah, the surviving. I couldn't remember yeah. his name. But so when in that interview, this is what I found incredible, is they he talks about how they were so broke when they were recording, at that time when they were trying to write and record, that they had two hours on a Wednesday and three hours on a Sunday every week because that's all they could afford. And that that song was essentially produced in about three and a half hours over those two days. They came up with the and the melody in one session, and they had to get it in one recording to see if they could even work with it. And apparently that was right at a time where he was going through a meltdown and his relationship was falling apart. And he said he had an idea for it. Comes back on Sunday with the lyrics. They, re- they record it. and. Um, I mean, that's. I don't want to take anything away from the special talent, the speed with which they put that together. But that was kind of a lot of the recording era of that time. You know, Black Sabbath's first album was put together in one week. The whole album yeah. is one week, one week recording. And this there's, song, there's a lot of stories right? like that though within the music industry. That's like, how you, how you had to do it in the old days. You didn't have a lot of time, and a lot of the stuff is really I, kind of uh, you know. That's why the most talented people were then. You know, that's right. what. It, that's oh, don't even it, get me started on that. I, Absolutely. I, I'm just saying that's what it, you can't. You know, it wasn't. I was saying this about a completely different uh, uh, series of, of music in the early '80s about you know sounds, and I have a point about that on on another track we're going to listen to. But it was at an era where you had to make the sound. You couldn't sample. You couldn't put it in at a different time you had to make that sound figure out how you made it make it in real time and record it on that first run through you know and yeah i think that that's a that's just there's a lot of those stories back then because that was all they had that's how they had to do to it's get there, raw you know? it's punk it's honest it's not yeah. beyonce with like 30 writers and 48 producers yeah it's just some some musicians putting out something that means something to them. I feel like and, the title of Mitch's book should be like, I hate today's music and want to die. Yeah, that is the title <laughs> of my book. I'm actually working on it right now. It'll be out this fall. <laughs> I'm helping you it. I'm helping you it. It's been published I, by I Don't, I Don't Care uh, Publishing House. Yeah. So I think I think that part of what I love about that, that uh, sound is, and what I didn't really – like listening to it through this uh, really got me to a point where I've started to connect other bands or musicians that I I love that would not exist without just single songs or single tracks or just the moment that um, something like 
you know, New Order or uh, something comes around. I mean, without this song, there's no Pet Shop Boys. Whether you like Pet Shop Boys or not, I love the Pet Shop Boys. And oh, we know you love the Pet Shop Boys. I love well, the Curtis's Pet Shop delivery. Boys. I mean, there's a lot to be said that's right connected directly with the way he delivers, the way that it's almost. I don't. Want to, it's not robotic in the way that some of the music today is, but it's in this this drone of, and I don't yeah. want to sound too this this agony of where you just there's nothing else there. But I, I can see where you're connecting it to Pet Shop Boys. Absolutely. That, yeah, there's that tone to it, and there's that ability to have a somber, even sad voice or lyric connected with this electronic, um, upbeat as in faster beat music. I mean, and um, speaking to how I'm not, I appreciate that now, but at the time, I think I was very much like the audience, uh, unlike Mike, whose, you know, clear awareness of depth and sadness would have prevented him from enjoying the song on a dance level. But, you know, I well, heard this. Let's just say, let's just say that Spotify it. hasn't dubbed me gay the way it has you, Charlie. There you, go. I, you know, you don't have to drag <laughs> down a whole section of uh, society to make an insult, Mike. How dare you? <laughs> oh, I like i i kick danced to this song more times at the wench in tucson than i can possibly count you don't have to be happy to dance and you don't have to no, be it's true uh, you know sad pregnant. so i mean there are plenty of times where you're doing a little shoegazing and you're kick dancing away and you're listening to this and love will tear us apart again i'm really interested to, to dig into the whole he was having an affair angle and see because the way i saw it was Love will tear us apart again. Was not that it was an outside love, but the inside between the two tearing them apart again and again. They keep trying because there's a couple lines in there um, that let's see. Why is the Yet bedroom so still, cold? Well, yeah, that one's no good. That's a drag. <laughs> Yet there's still this appeal that we've kept through our lives. So they love each other, but they're just not meant to be together. So love right. will tear us apart again. That's kind of how I always saw it. But well, yeah, I mean, the lyric that captures that can't man. Live with is, you, can't live you. Yes, yes. Something so good can't function no more. I mean, that's that catches me because I yeah. think that that that's the moment of reality and the implication through every single like a uh, uh, verse that he's going through to me is sort of why am I going to go through this again? Like. Why try it when everything is, when, you know, the bedroom's cold and I can't get this to work anymore? I mean, why do it if love is just going to tear us apart? Well, see, some of those lyrics, time. Charlie, I almost interpreted it as like it's happening at that moment. Like, why is the bedroom so cold turned away on your side? Like, that's two mm -hmm. people sleeping in the same bed, but apart from each other. And she is turned on her side so that her back is to him. Very good. Like, she doesn't want anything to do with him. Yeah. No, you're right. She's mad. She's upset. Mm -hmm. Something's wrong. Yeah. Can we, we look at this there. real quick from... <laughs> I, 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 I want to ask Mel, like, what your thoughts are on this song structurally, because it really doesn't have a traditional, like, bridge or chorus even. Even the level tears apart barely qualifies, I mean, I feel, but it's still so well, you know, put together. Like, this is not a typical, this song should not have charted as well as it did. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's super 
distressing lyrically if you really listen to it. But the thing is, it's not the first thing you hear. Yeah. Um, the first thing you hear is that kind of glorious uh, keyboard line, you know, that that, that really, poppy thing that Charlie you know, liked. Yeah, and it's it's just genius, you know. And um, I, I have a hard time dragging anything about this song just because, um, you know, you when it comes down to it, you either find a hook or you don't, you know. Um, Jeez. A lot of times, yeah. And yeah. that is a hook if I've ever heard one. It's really, really good. Um, the his vocals kind of make it too. It's just a, um, you know, it's it's an unlikely pairing almost, but it works really, really well. I mean, I can't imagine it any other way. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, sorry, Mel. I think I think the droning kind of thing works works for it. I think it works um, for the song. Uh. Well, I, well. I, I felt like, uh, I mean, it truly does. But it, the things it made me think of as far as that vocal tone, right? You think of the Pet Shop Boys, you think of the Smiths, right? That that tone uh-huh. of voice was there. <laughs> Here's the word my wife hates me to use. It was in the zeitgeist. But, you know, it was, it was there. And I think that's a hard, that's hard to do. I, I don't think you can... I think we, at the time, like I said, that new wave was so brand new that I don't think everybody knew how to take it. And I think that was the genius of it. My interpretation was putting, in a, in a lot of ways, to me, it's like dry humor, right? It's got no obvious sense that it's humor. You deliver it in a dry way, and then you have to sort of have that ability to interpret that it is a joke. In this case, there's no, like, the voice and it's counter uh, intuitive. It, that tone is counterintuitive to that beat. And that to me is like a hard thing to pull off and be able to really. Yeah. Think well, it. that juxtaposition is something that made a lot of the stuff from that era so great. And I think made that, that complexity that keeps us going back to it and listening to it. And here we are now, even, you know, what, uh, 40 years later talking about it if if that song came out today people Ugh. would think it was brilliant amazing see uh hot chip or <laughs> you know no i'm gonna disagree with you uh across the board on that if that song came out today there would be no appreciation for it i don't think anyone's ready for something like that today i would have to agree with Mitch on that i just don't see that being the case i would love that to be the case but i just don't think it is but I appreciate your optimism. It'd be, it'd be how it was produced, right? If it was all electronic and no instruments and it were done by Marshmallow, people would love it. <laughs> wait all a right. second, wait a second. I all just right. got to ask, Mitch, do you even know who Marshmallow is? So our next song all right. <laughs> <I don't... laughs> uh, is You Don't Bring Me Flowers, Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand, <laughs> although the track written... Completely by Neil Diamond, even though he, you know, he credited Barbara Streisand, didn't he? Yeah, he did, but uh, it's, it's all his. To America. <laughs> uh, hey, don't make fun and... of Neil Diamond. I love Neil Diamond. I do too. <laughs> I do too. I, 
I think that it's okay to love Neil Diamond unironically and just embrace it, yeah. but this is not one of those tracks that I think that we can, but we'll get yeah. to that. Okay, <laughs> can I just say, uh, first off, that I love Neil Diamond, and really, believe it or not, I like Barbara Streisand, too. She's got some good stuff. Oh, wow, that's just really? a giant leap, Mike. You like what's recognized as maybe the best female vocalist of the last century. Way to be brave. <laughs> I'm yeah. just saying, man. I'm just saying. Babs is Hey, awesome. look. I'm going to recognize I'm going to recognize Mike for the the <laughs> the bravery it took for him to say that. How about that? Okay. Okay. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I'm sorry, Mike. I apologize. Yeah. That took all. a lot. Listen, it's it's inspiring to me, and I think <laughs> I I want to go out on the limb right now and say I don't care what the world thinks. I enjoy Michael Jackson. I know he wasn't popular, but I like him. <laughs> Hot take, hot take. Yeah. Michael Jackson. I think he's going probably down with it. I think people are going to yeah. remember him. I think that that guy might be. Keep your eye on that guy. <laughs> All right. So this one charted at number one in the U.S. Charlie, why don't you bring us in with a "You Don't Bring Me Flowers"? Neil and Bob, Barbara, Babs, Bab, right? Babs, Bab. Bab. I have Babs. a question Bab. before I count us in on that song. Am I wrong in saying that Barbara Streisand yes. is the mother of Thanos? Because I think that's correct. Is he really? Right? What? Yeah, James James Brolin, father of the man who played Thanos in Infinity War. His mother, I think, is Barbara Streisand. We're going to have to get we'll, our we'll have to look that up. I'll that. look that up real quick. Yeah. You go ahead and play the song, Mitch. Okay. Charlie, why don't you bring us in? And this is You Don't Bring Me Flowers Anymore by Neil Diamond <laughs> and Barbara Streisand in three uh. Two, one. Saccharin excess. <laughs> oh my. Oh, thank God I can barely hear it. <laughs> oh, I can fix that. You just let me know. There no, we go. No, no, yeah, no, it's good. It's good. No, no, turn it up. Yeah, embrace it. <sighs> I won't lie, this song does make me think of like a Broadway music. I really like how. I'm sorry, Mel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think this would have been great for that little area of that movie, The Birdcage, where you didn't know if they were going to work out their problems. <laughs> would have been good. Oh, I can't hear you guys. Sorry, I was really getting into it, so I just cranked the volume a lot. What I think my favorite part about the song is how it's a duet that was clearly not written to be a duet. That's okay. that's brilliant. That, thank you. That makes it so much. That makes it make so much more sense because that is just like you know her kicking her own can down the road, and then here he comes kicking the same can <laughs> down the road, and it's like what? They're just kicking it back yeah. and forth. Yeah, yeah. I just, just didn't read as a duet. It, it took me the longest time to figure out that's what was bothering me about it. Yeah, yeah. I agree with Mel. I had the same problem. I kept listening to it a couple times, and I'm like, wait, this just something doesn't feel right. <laughs> and Barbara Streisand is so talented, a accomplished singer and composer. Thank you, Mel. Has Thank far you. Far more awards than I do, <laughs> but I mean. And she's just a lovely person, at least online. You know, her Twitter account is actually awesome. Her and Bette Midler's. 
Um, and I picture them having lunches and bitching about Republican senators the whole time, you know. Um, <laughs> and it's just really amusing to me. But I actually learned some of Barbara's songs when I was taking piano lessons a million years ago. And uh, and they're well-constructed. They're not my taste, okay, but they're they're well-constructed songs. And in the, in the grand tradition of standards, you know, going back to whenever, you know, the Gershwins or whatever. I, I don't even know. Uh, but this one is, uh, it's like the equivalent of being stuck in a musty house with like doilies on every surface uh, <laughs> while you're wearing wet socks, uh, warm wet socks. You know, I just can't fucking stand it. Uh, it's small feel like Christmas, but they're, they're like sniping at each other the whole time and not in that cutesy, you know, June Carter and Johnny Cash way, you know, yeah. it's more like you stuck at the dinner table with your divorced parents after they've been drinking way. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Way to yeah. put that one but in they perspective. Sing it, but they sing it like it's like, it's sweet and, they and do. tender. Well, and that's yeah. so baffling. You know what though? Yeah, just because the relationship is ending, maybe they're just being adult about the relationship ending. They're like, you know what? This is why it's ending. How would you know what being adult is like? Uh, I've heard stories. <laughs> I hear tell. I hear tell that that's tell. adults behave. Yes, indeed. <laughs> now, you know, I, I, I think you guys are uh, spot on about the tender part of it. To me, I imagined it as being like, uh, you know, Wally and June getting a divorce and how they would describe their problems <laughs> with their divorce attorney. She doesn't bring me flowers, and I don't bring her flowers, and it's time to end it. You know, like... <laughs> It, yeah. I just feel like we they, hardly speak. Yeah, and I mean, on a sentimental note, I think um, you know, having all uh, songs about relationships dissipating or falling apart. If you if you put yourself in that memory or that zone and you listen to it, I mean, it, all the cheesy stuff aside, you do kind of uh, get the simple message that it's the little things, right? If there's something sweet about the song, it's it's they're appreciating little moments and, and they're also talking about how important they are and how they're symbolic, right? Well, I feel like this is a relationship that ended amicably. Like they both agreed that it wasn't working. <laughs> they needed to end things and move on. And then one day, maybe a year or two down the road, they got together for a cup of coffee and they were talking about it. They're like, yeah, what did happen with that? And they discussed it a little bit. And then bit. they did it. And they're like, you know what? You didn't bring me flowers anymore. Um, yeah. You know, it used to be so natural to talk about forever, but we just stopped. I think what's important right now is for us to take a moment and talk about when the last time we brought our partners flowers. Mike, why don't you tell us? You start. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I kind of hate you right now, Charlie. Why? It's a, I think it's a great exercise. I mean, I think it's, it's a wonderful fun, exercise. Right? It's a yes. You know, you know what? You know. I tried to get her flowers. Like, uh, <laughs> no, what? <laughs> I, I don't know what, what's the big it's, deal. It's right? been it's been uh, I'd say probably about eight months or so. Eight months, Mike. Really? That's I don't believe it was even eight months. No, <laughs> I love you, but I don't think. And it's now for our surprise guest. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You guys, All you guys got a hold of the my other florist. Room. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, just so you great. know, my florist is a liar, compulsive. <laughs> Before we move on, I need to say something about my florist. <laughs> oh man! But I would like funny. to point out that a, I have a florist, so there. Well, that actually speaks volumes. Well done, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Nice. Good job. Nice. What about you? 
Uncle Charlie? Um, yeah, I don't think I've ever bought her flowers ever. Okay, I, I like her to feel uh, very unloved. No, I mean, I think probably every he's like, you know what, flowers die. What does that say about our love? <laughs> you know what? It's actually pretty funny that you bring that up. Okay, so here's what happens routinely. <laughs> routinely, and I'm not. Really this is a funny joke, and I'll be brief about it. <laughs> routinely, I, I, if I haven't bought her flowers, she'll go. You know, I want more plants around the house. I want something leafy. <laughs> go buy me something leafy, and I'll be like, okay, I'll go to Home Depot. I'll you bring, bring her, her head of lettuce. You get her a fern. Get leafy, right? I get her a head of lettuce. And I'm not kidding you, man. Every plant. With the exception of the ones that are known to be able to last the apocalypse, we kill everything. <laughs> we kill everything. I had that problem. I, I don't plant anything because I feel like it's not fair to the plant because I just I'm gonna kill it no matter what. Kill it. I know it's gonna happen. So anyway, yes. Not on purpose. Yeah. Fun, oh. fun, fun, fun. Had to play. Fun right, fact. Okay, so fun. Mitch, when was the last time you took Natalie's flowers? The first of this month. God, suck. Oh, oh Mike. Oh, wait, wait. Can 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 you make an announcement tonight, Mitch? Uh, I can make an announcement. I mean, it's not really an announcement. Uh, that, I mean, it's uh, yeah, sure, I can make an announcement. So, hot dog. What's that? Did he's putting you on the spot, dog? He totally put me on the spot. Uh, yeah, I'll have to go. Like, uh, I don't know what I got to do. Uh, um. Yeah, we set a date. Congratulations, hey! dude. That's awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Uh, that was the cause for the flowers. And we're inviting the audience, so everybody be sure to pay attention to the website. We will be live streaming the event <laughs> from the venue. Make sure you join us. <laughs> oh, man. That would be. Congratulations. You know what? That's probably why he Thanks. took her flowers on the first. Hey, no, actually, the the Mike, the occasion was for our uh, house anniversary. By pointing that out about him, oh, wait, your house anniversary? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. We've been in we've been in the new house for a year. That's awesome! Congratulations yeah. on that, man. That's awesome. Thank you, thank you. And I'm sure the audience is really thrilled and excited to hear about it. So, moving on to our next jam. <laughs> oh, because we got to keep it interesting. Because this one, this one. Is awesome. Well, this, this one, one and I'm sure a lot of the people out there will know some of the stories surrounding this one that oh, apparently are false. So we'll get into that afterwards, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys have not guessed, or if you don't recall from the beginning of the episode, the next track we're going to do is In the Air Tonight, Phil Collins, 1981. In the Air Tonight, Phil Collins. Uh, there have been some really great reaction videos recently on the interwebs, people freaking out about this song. Uh, We are obviously going to dive into this one coming up next. Charlie? Impacting song, sir. Was it? No. You know what? That's actually a great moment for us to take a break. So, guys, get your playlists queued up because this one is going to go deep. And uh, we'll be right back. You've been listening to Ruminations from the Red Room, brought to you by Ruminations Radio Network. If you like this cast or want to find some other great podcasts, join me on Brevity Box, a discussion about life, the universe, and everything in 2020. You can check it out in all the other podcasts at ruminationsradionetwork.com. All righty, welcome back to the Red Room. We're about to do our next track in the Sad Song Collection. Uh, Uncle Charlie, why don't you count us in for In the Air Tonight for Phil Collins, 1981. Okay, people, you're going to really want to turn this one up to 11. 
the irreplaceable Phil Collins with something in the air tonight. Three, two, one. Seriously, man, I feel forever. this is just a powerful song, the way it starts out. Yeah. This was pitched by Phil Collins to be on the Genesis album, Duke, and it was voted down because it was, quote-unquote, too simple. Well, listen to this this opening, like, synth drum thing. It's like your grandma's old organ, like a... <laughs> It has that very 80s feel to it. Uh, oh. Yeah, and I, I'm a sucker for that 80s reverb, you know, that. Oh, yeah. Great. That line, I do not understand. Why has he been waiting for this for his whole life? Wait, wait. This is a we song. Gotta, we got to define what, what's going on in the song then. Hang on, though. Hang on. Let it build up. Okay. Okay. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Mitch. But you're right. No, what? what? Like that part really doesn't, I don't get it unless, I don't know, maybe he expected it. And so he's been waiting for it to happen. He's been waiting for the other shoe to drop. Look, I think that's, that's part of it from, from what I was able to dig up in a short period of time. The two things that really stunned me about it was, uh, one is not stunning. Actually, it's the obvious that he was going through a divorce himself and that this was, uh, 100% about that and about he he described it as being um, as rejecting somebody who had rejected you and uh, the other thing that really blew me away was like the story goes that he was in a recording session and sat down cold having not written a lyric and belted these lyrics out impromptu and they recorded they call it, bullshit. and that became a song. And apparently it's something he's excessively proud of, which he should be if it's true. But yeah, I think I'm with Mitch. I think I got to call bullshit on that. Listen, nobody said it was yeah, bullshit. But I mean, like, it, he was feeling it. the number one example of why you should never tell anybody what your song is about. Like, oh, that's an interesting. The, the myth was so much better <laughs> than three days ago whenever I found out that it was about divorce. I had no idea. Yeah, he found out his wife was be his. He found out about his wife's infidelity. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's definitely some lyrics here about. I think. Well, now I interpret them differently, knowing what it's about, right? Mm-hmm. But before, yeah, not just before the whole. Like he's trying uh, to be as busy as possible. Yeah. Another one that was never number one. Isn't that nuts. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there. No, I was just saying, I think like before with like the old, uh, you know, the old uh, urban myth about him inviting somebody to his concert, singing this song to that person, mm-hmm. and this being about someone dying, like, oh, you oh, know, and then learning it. actually wait, what it's wait, about. Wait, wait. Oh, I love that right there. That's a good part. That's all right. That's all right. Ever. I got a, yeah. I got a cool technical tidbit about it. that, Mike, but please finish. 
I think Mel hit it on the head. That makes it worth it. The rest of it, I mean, I'll I'll talk about as we go. But yeah, that drum yeah. entrance. What were you saying, Mike? I didn't mean. I was just trying to get that that drum kick in there. No, it's too late now. I already forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. It's about the music, man. It's about the music. It used to so, be about the music. That iconic <laughs> '80s drum sound. Do you know that this is the first song that ever happened in that that uh? I'm 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 not that gated reverb. This is this is literally uh, I... witnessing us witnessing the birth of gated reverb, and it was yeah. I think I knew that. Yeah. We watch a lot of polyphonic. Do you guys watch that? No. I'm what is watching... that? It's a YouTube series. Yeah. Um, so, polyphonic. So they must have talked about that as well, because apparently the yeah. reverse talkback button was unintentionally activated on the mixing board when he was going at it on the drum. And they love the sound so much that they rewired the board they, <laughs> so to make sure that they could do it on demand. And from that point forward, every uh, SSL mixing board had it had gated reverb and that became the drumming sound of, of that whole decade which i did not know and totally floors me that it was i mean again maybe that's myth maybe they meant to do it they were trying at it they spent weeks and they nailed it i like the story i hope it was truly an accident i love it I think well, so great. speaking of stories, we were talking about it during Accidental the song. good. But, you know, everybody everybody knows the urban myth about this song, about him inviting somebody to his concert, or being about someone dying. And for years, I thought that was a great story. Love that story. Uh-huh. And then, you know, just recently, after Mitch sent out the list, and I started looking more into this, finding out that it's actually about, you know, Phil Collins, his wife's infidelity, going through his divorce. I'm like, wow, everything takes on a different meaning now. And I don't know if I like it mm-hmm. better or less now, but it doesn't have the same meaning to me. It got even crazier. One of the stories that I read was built off the line. If you told me you were drowning, I would not lend a hand that he watched someone drowning and didn't save them. Right. And then even crazier one that he watched someone watch someone drowning and didn't mm-hmm. lend a hand. Like that's the weirdest urban myth I think I've ever heard. I know that was, like, that was always bizarre. And now, but looking at it in the context of he's going through divorce, what does that mean for their relationship? Uh-huh. Was she was she having some type of uh, a mental breakdown? Was there something going on there? She felt like she's. I think it's just spiteful. No, I think that line is just spite. Yeah, could be, mm-hmm. could be. And, and in fact, I actually watched a uh, an interview with uh, Phil Collins, and I think it was uh, Jimmy Fallon, and he even Phil oh, Collins yeah. even talked about that. He said that when you're going through these things, you have all these feelings, and some of them are are hurt feelings and some of them are feelings Do you feel it anger. in the area not tonight? Yeah. And so, and, and so basically he said that, yeah, some of those feelings you feel are anger and you're going to put stuff down just because you're angry. Yeah. But how many songs were like that, right? Like, uh, what was the, um, like, I loved the police. I'll be watching you. I thought that was mm-hmm. like, I loved that song. There were That's times that, where I missed. There's a parallel there. I incorrectly would, point to it as some sort of love song you know? right and, and it was right. really a song about a stalker uh, well yeah but, but again look well, let's, let's not go off on that yeah, big of a obsessive. tangent but i i have always been fascinated about revenge of the nerds 
being, you know, like I didn't realize when I watched it as a kid, right? But it's totally a horrible example for guys to, to just like hide behind a mask, <laughs> sneak that girl in there and she thinks you're somebody else, and then voila, it wasn't who you thought it was. <laughs> I mean, it's- I'm gonna edit that, that, that out. That John Mulaney tells the story that John Mulaney tells about um, following the the girl in the subway station. I'm like, I'm just saying the eight, I didn't know right the eighties everything in the eighties made it look like that was okay normal behavior it meant that you liked that person and that was not right well I mean even the police had that Zobler song. or the police had that song don't stand so close to me which is about a teacher having sex with his underage female student yeah that's right based on Lolita yeah yeah yeah, yeah based on that Nabokov on book. Yeah, that's why he mentions yeah. Nabokov in the it's song. It's true. That is why he mentions Hey, Nabokov. man, we can all evolve. We can become better as a society and as a culture. We can move on above it. Wait, we can, can grow. We? Can we really? But can I, can I, just, can tell you, can can I just tell you that that's, again, those are two great examples of where I heard the song first. Like the melody, like the hook. You know what I mean? And then, yeah. then the word. Like when I heard Hot for Teacher, I totally misunderstood that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. It was tough. I'm not sure I misunderstood it because I told totally had the for teacher. Well, I'm sure your teacher. I'm sure he understood. He did. I'll hook you guys up, Charlie. <laughs> no, pretty. So, any any like final thoughts on this one? Because I mean, I I I'm not a Phil Collins fan myself. The song is indelibly written upon the the the, the subconscious, the un, of my mind and music history. I, you can't escape this song, nope. but if you really tear it down, like what is he waiting for? Oh Lord, mm-hmm. all night. <laughs> oh Lord, right. it's what is oh, this? Lord. What is coming in the night? Apparently, his wife was. Oh Lord. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Mike! I love it when you work blue. I, I, uh, I look. I think I just. I think you just identify with the moment that he is singing from. You know, like yeah. if you it, you understand it from the perspective of him singing about his divorce, and if you've ever been in that spot where you were just so melancholy and so just um, deflated from everything you know, no hope and you're dwelling in that spot. I think that's what he's that old Lord is like he's ready. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but Mitch was right though. At the beginning of the song when it says I've been waiting for this moment all of my life, like, have you really been waiting for this? You've been waiting for your relationship to end. Well I like I, don't I, know. I think maybe of of us here and I, I'm not speaking for Mel because I don't know, but uh of the three, <laughs> three guys here, uh I'm the only one who's been divorced. And uh, just to you know, just to put this out there as kind of a a weird thing, like I once thought about getting my ex wife's name tattooed on myself, and this is when we were married, and she advised Smart against decision. it. She's like, you know, you should never have your wife or your girlfriend's name tattooed on you. Maybe just across your throat, Mike. I mean, like, it's right true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I hear what you're saying, man, but I don't think that. Look, I think the song was in reference to, like, in his real life, yes, he was going through a divorce. But I think when we're going through a breakup, we don't we don't feel like it's a breakup, right? We feel like we've lost everything, and you at least some of us, I think, do. And I think that's how I relate to the song, is that he didn't—it yeah. felt like death. 
Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it felt like it was so that moment he's been waiting for. I believe the, I believe the implication there is, he's been waiting for that demise. You know, and he's gotcha. okay. And he, so he's he's angry and he's hurt. He's and that's what I think he was saying to Jimmy Fallon about he had these emotions. And I think that happens, right? You have these conflicting emotions where you hate the person that just dumped you, but you kind of want everything fixed, and you you know. No, no, I, I can I can see that. Stuff. I mean, it made it made me think of this comedian I saw one time talking about breakups and stuff. And he's like, yeah, he's like, sometimes they, they're good breakups. You're like, oh, I hope you're happy. I want you to be happy with him. Mm-hmm. And this guy was like, no, screw that. I want you to get hit by a bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think breakups can be just incredible fuel for, you know, for a song. Um to be really just to hit something just under, indescribable inside you, you know, just, just one of these songs like this, but, but he, he told, he went and told that it was about the breakup and like, you're supposed to, you're supposed to just use the emotion, you know, and, and let the, if, if the urban myth brings up around the lyrics and just let it, you know, don't, don't, you know, it, it diminished the cool factor to me. To, uh, to tell mm. that it was about something so banal as divorce. But do you, do you think that maybe that's because the... Is that because divorce is so commonplace nowadays? Maybe. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, oh, I was going to talk about the song. I was going to say kind of like Level Terrace Apart, I feel like you've got this uh, aching, heartbroken, misery song wrapped yeah. into this cool, hard drum solo and i mean it's a it's a killer sound it sounds like barely contained like i don't want to say rage yeah righteous anger like if you'd given this guy like slayers setup like handed him a marshall stack Mm. and a nice flying v like i think this song would have come out a lot differently like it would have been really because i i understand where this is coming from so but I think I, I think maybe he's got that anger there too. I agree with you on all of it. I, I I think the reason it resonates for everyone, the reason it's a phenomena a phenomena, is those things that even we kind of collectively, intuitively understand that it was the beginning, in a lot of ways, of the sound of the eighties, and yeah, I mean it changed that well, those little those little instrumental things. So- and, change that you know, can change. i just ask when did everybody first hear this song you know man i must have been a long time ago i've wiped <laughs> it from my out. mind I, I, I was traumatized and i've decided well, see, not to recall so that. i don't know how old mel is i'm 46 At, so, in 81 when the song came I'm out 42. i was seven years old right so yeah. i remember listening to my am radio late at night once again because that's when the radio stations came in much clearer on my radio. I'd be up late at night with the volume turned down, but my ear pressed up against the, the speaker on my radio. And this song would play. I loved this song. And at the time, I was too young to understand the lyrics, I think. Uh, I didn't put... I didn't... I, you know, the, the urban myth didn't, didn't, didn't arise until much later surrounding this song. And uh, I don't know. It was just for me. It was just the music itself. I, I've just had this image yeah. of an eight-year-old kid who's just depressed 
And teacher's like, what's wrong? He's like, that song, Something in the Air Tonight, is about a poor couple that's falling apart. <laughs> it just gets really deep and starts to cry. No, depression, depression didn't exist in the 80s, Charlie. Yes, it did. But no, it, it's a it's a special song, yeah. and I'm glad we got to cover it. There's a, it was interesting to go and do some digging yeah. and find out things. I mean, uh, it didn't diminish anything. I think I think it is uh, <laughs> for me. It didn't diminish anything. I, I I I like it for the same way I liked it before. But I think I like being in the moment with any song. You know, I don't I don't I try not to yeah. come into it with a bunch of anything. I try to be in that moment. And I think a lot of times that's me skipping a lot of tracks just because I'm not feeling it. When I feel this song, it's perfect. All right. Yeah. Well, I think that sums that song up nicely. Thank you, this next jam, I was not familiar with. What? Really? Yeah, I didn't know this one, um, but I can't say that I'm a big Kenny Rogers fan. No. Uh, <laughs> not real familiar with the gambler, uh, except for his chicken um, or his barbecue <laughs> or whatever it is that he's got going on there. I've been there, <laughs> but that's about it. Um, so after when I first heard this song, there was just a couple moments where I turned around. And I was like, is that the lyric I just heard? And then not until actually going back and rereading, like actually reading the lyrics along with it. Did I realize what was going on at first? I was like, wow, that's a little, that's a little dark, Kenny. What's, He's what's got going some on dark there? songs on that album though. We can go into that. But holy crap. Like this one. So um, without further ado, let's knock this one out. Ruby. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. That's, it's not funny because this is messed up. Ruby. Don't take your love to town. Kenny Rogers, 1969. Charlie count us in. Yeah. Turn this one up. This is going to be fun to talk about. Ruby, don't take your love to town in three, two, one. Another one where the music kind of belies the um, lyrical content, I feel. It's true. I feel like I'm watching the end credits of Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah. Everything bad happens late at night. <laughs> Nothing good happens after 2 a.m. <laughs> How I Met Your Mother reference. Ted's mom. Ted's mom, that's right. I disagree, though. I disagree. The position that we keep like referencing, like, that's genius. This one is what bothers me. That doom, 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 that beat with what this song's content's about just seems... It doesn't work for me. We ran into a lot of that with the first uh, chapter where the, the music did not keep with the lyrics. And I think this came out around the same time. Well, this was 1967. What was the date on this one? 1967. Yeah, it's around that same time. Yeah. Like, well, it's interesting, right? He's talking about going to war and not being the same man as he used to be when he came back. So is he talking about he's got PTSD? his legs blown off. Yeah. No, he, his, here, it's actually coming up right here. His oh, legs are right. bent ben and paralyzed. paralyzed. I forgot about that. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I, I know what it is, man. It's that the, the build of this song makes it seem like they want you to do a sing-along. Yeah. Well, right? for anybody who's ever square danced, I see myself square dancing to the song. 
That'd be fucked up to make a square dancing song that had to do with somebody. It, it, would. <laughs> it would be messed up, but the beat is perfect for it. <laughs> Grab your partner, yeah. Dosi. Aw. Aw. I was thinking the same thing. See, I like that part right there where it's kind of like a breakdown, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. You drop out all the instrumentation, except that. Are we on a train? (laughs) (laughs) That's a healthy relationship right there. Yeah. You put her in the ground. I mean, can you you blame him? No, no. No, not at all. I mean, I don't even think that Guns N' Roses really had an excuse other than the fact they were fighting. Oh, here it comes, here it comes. That's serious when he gets all quiet like that. Says, says it. What is that about, man? That's what is that he's about? He's imploring her. Turn around. Why did he find his I gun? Don't know, he might have. He's got to shoot her in the back. back. That's just wrong. Listen, I think it's the really stupid version of the same thing we were talking about earlier. He's trying to play that he hates her, but he loves her, but he can't satisfy her. And I gotta say, what the hell is wrong with this woman? When she's divorced him, <laughs> but she keeps coming back. Well, it's she 1967, man. She, she wants, needs to have some because she wants. Uh, I don't know, some kind of like stability in her life. Yo, she's she's li- she's getting his GI Bill. There you go. So can I just say that, like, so when we all, when I was listening to this, it made me think of Kenny Rogers' song Lucille. And I don't know if you guys uh-huh. remember that song, but that one like talks about a guy who's sitting in a bar talking to a woman, and her husband walks up. And starts talking to her. And then she like expects him to like make love to her, but he can't do it because he keeps thinking about the words that her husband just said to her, right? Like she left the guy with like kids and trying to run a farm and all this stuff. And I thought they came out at the same time, but apparently Lucille came out in came out in nineteen seventy seven and uh Ruby came out in nineteen sixty seven. So ten years apart. Apparently Kenny Rogers like's got some some kind of deep, dark, like darkness inside of him or something and he just can't let go it was key party years it was, i mean that's like you know those kind of things that was going on it was just what he was dealing what with people don't that's understand cool. is that kenny rogers is really garth brooks but <laughs> garth brooks is a vampire so he's like has to keep rejuvenating himself so soon garth brooks mm-hmm. will become another country singer that'll He's going to have to grow that big-ass white, white beard that Kenny's got. He already, he already became another singer. Don't you remember when he did that whole album where he was like, I forget what he was called. Had the Chris Rockstar or something like that? What was his name? Yeah. Had the, no, what, had the goth it? hair and stuff. It was, it was basically like Lestat from was, the Anne Rice novels. He decided he was going to be a <laughs> Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. What was the name? Chris Gaines. Chris Gaines. Chris Gaines. Chris Gaines. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Boo. (laughs) (laughs) My gosh, man. I never, you know what? People say that the album was good. I never, um, I couldn't get past the picture on the cover. It was bad. He had a great soul patch, though. Yeah, that, listen, I got to tell you what was funny. I just got my Louisiana ID, and I looked at my, for the first time (laughs) in uh, maybe 10 years, I looked at my Arizona driver's license, and I have a soul patch. And I swear I almost passed nice. out with just sheer laughter at how, how funny it looked to me right now. Well, that song made it all the way to number two. Oh, 
in the song. UK and number six in the US. It's a good and song, man. Honestly, yeah, well, I, it, it is, but man, that is some dark t- topics there. I mean, hey, I, I listened to Kenny Rogers as a kid. I liked Kenny Rogers. I loved that song. I knew all the words to it and everything. So, Did but, you know as a kid that it was about somebody who would return from war stepping in a out? wheelchair? Actually, yeah, I do remember that because um, I used to sing along with it every single time I'd play. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mike's, that's Mike at school. Yeah, I love this song. It's about a guy who comes back from war. His legs are broken. He hates <laughs> his life. His wife is cheating him all the time. It's great. Do, do, do. <laughs> Don't take your love to town. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. That's what can great. I say, man? I was a little redneck growing up. Couldn't, couldn't help myself. <laughs> it's a great image, man. I loved it. No, I look, the song, to me, of those songs that we listen to. This I is the worst connect- one. Well, but This one is the closest to She Hates Me, I Hate Her, except he doesn't hate her. He needs, he, he misses her. He wants things to work out, but she just keeps on giving it away. And to the point where he now is, you know, contemplating her death. Yeah. yeah he's going to drop it. I, body, I body think her. The la- <laughs> you're right. I think Phil Collins and this one are probably the best representations of she hates me. I hate her. I'm not sure about level Terrace mm-hmm. apart being that or, or you don't buy me flowers. I don't think those fit that, but yeah, I think Charlie's right. I think these two definitely fit more within that chapter. than The others hate. Um, yeah. But I, I, like I said, I don't know. It, it it was still kind of interesting, like looking over these lyrics now as an adult. Um, I haven't listened to this song in quite some time. And uh, it was interesting looking at it now. Yeah, he, it's definitely she's waiting around for him to die. She wants uh, and the wants and the needs of woman your age. Ruby, I realize, but it won't be long. I've heard them say until I'm not around. Right. I, you know. Oh, Ruby, don't take your love to town. She's just waiting him out. Yeah. You know what the thing is, though? If you if you start yeah. if you start boiling down who these people are, they're very young, right? This is not this is not a veteran who's in his thirties that returned from war. This sounds more like the young guy who well, went. He's off a young man. She's a young woman. Well, so what Asian war was he talking about? Was he talking about the Korean War? Vietnam. The, the Nam. You think that's no? what I'm saying. He's 67? talking about yeah. he's talking about two young yeah. people that between the ages of 19 and 21, I bet. And she's she's yeah. young and she's you know it because that's the only way you can think of where that's the only you know it's pretty careless to go out like that against somebody. It sounds yeah. really cruel. Yeah, it's true. Wow. So you got you got yeah, right. The Vietnam tough. War was 55 to. 75 and the korean war was 50 to 53 so yeah it had to be in the vietnam war okay so i have i have a question uh maybe i'm reaching maybe i'm making something out of nothing and you can tell me um but what if what we're misunderstanding about this whole thing is that she may be earning the money Maybe this is something that she has to do to put food on the table. And he you think is, she's a prostitute? I, and he is miserable because he can't do anything to change it. And he hates her for doing it. And he, he wants to act out that rage in that line. But he wants her to turn around because all he really wants is to have her for himself. That's a good effort, man. It's a good effort. I, I, I don't get, know if it's I'm, a good effort. I, I just say maybe I'm missing something, or maybe I'm 
totally embellishing. I don't know. Now you have a talent for kind of spinning it and finding a new angle. I I don't think the lyrics. Support I don't it, think so either. But that's a like you're beautiful. That's, you're a beautiful man. You're a beautiful man to try and like. She's out there. She's selling it to try and still provide for the family. I'm just trying to build myself a nice platform so that when I call her a whore, anybody who looked at it, can see that there's two reasons, and they can't hate me. Wow. I can say she like wow. it could be a functioning thing. Like no, she's a whore for money. Uh, living because she needs the money, or I could be like that whore She's out there I mean, being a whore cl- for no reason, yeah, for no money. I mean, I'm a capitalist, do it for a reason. <laughs> <Gotcha>. Man, <laughs> on that note, capitalism, <laughs> let's uh, let's wrap this up with some honorable mentions because we, uh, yeah, we <laughs> try Ooh. is right. Honorable That's mentions, what's That's that, Mel? I just thought of an honorable mention. I didn't have one whenever we opened this episode, but. Um, well, why don't you start I, us off? We've got a couple more minutes left. Let's let's uh, do a quick address on our honorable mentions. Mel, you said you had a couple. I, well, I have one. Okay. I have one right now. Okay. So, and this is, um, you know, she hates me. I hate her kind of, you know, but, but depressing to me. Um, this is the only one I could think of like that. And it's probably, um, probably a little bit controversial. I know a lot of people love this song, but Mr. Brightside by the killers. Hmm. Um, I know that song. It's incredibly successful. Yeah. It was a very successful song, but I, I, um, I don't know. I just, I kept all through the, you know, all through the lyrics he's talking about, you know, now he's taken off her dress, and now my stomach is sick, and all this. And I just kept thinking, stop watching. Stop watching. <laughs> stop. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's You're doing me. this to yourself. <laughs> but, I don't know. Some of us do it to See, ourselves. That song, Mel, yeah. almost makes yeah. me think of Jesse's Girl by Rick, by Rick Springfield. Like somebody who's like obsessed mm-hmm. with someone else that's in a different relationship. Um. You know, as far as honorable mention goes, I don't really, didn't really have one either at the beginning of this, and I, I I have one now that I thought about it. I'm not certain it applies, but Barbara Streisand, "One Less Bell to Answer," which is a song I absolutely love, but in that song, it sounds like she's trying to get over someone, and she's trying to convince herself that she should be happy that he's gone, but she's not. Um, and then in speaking of Barbara Streisand, I did look it up, Charlie. Uh, Josh Brolin's mother is named Jane Cameron Agee. Uh, it's only so not Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. Sorry. Yeah, not <laughs> Barbara Streisand. Uh, good effort. The rumor, good the, effort. The, the rumor would have been better. Yeah, the rumor. Charlie. Again, the rumor would have been better than, than the truth, but still. Than the truth, absolutely. Um, <laughs> what are your honorable mentions, my friend? I'm trying to remember the name because I mentioned Pet Shop Boys earlier. And. You know, there was a song on there. What have I? What have I? I I'm gonna say, what have I done to deserve this? Is mm, kind nice. of in, in the theme of what we're talking the about, and one of my favorite songs of I love all that time. Song. And I think that it's kind of again, it's got that that same motivation that I think is derived uh, from our track list here. Here's a song about. Uh, something relationship oriented about something that's breakup oriented and you know a couple going through something but it's done with a beat and a sound that 
you could have at a dance club. And I think it's part of what I loved about the tune. So that's my honorable mention for, for our. That's a good honorable mention. That's a good one. Uh, I, you guys are gonna hate me cause I have, uh, five, uh, I'll throw them out to you real quick. Wow. I, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've been hurt a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Uh, Mitch. So, this is a safe place. Go ahead and just let it out. This is a safe place. I'm going to let it out. I, and I'm really surprised that, uh, that you Arvig didn't pull this one. Used to love her guns. Oh, and Roses. Well, I did mention it a little bit cause I mentioned that guns and roses killed her for no reason. Oh, did you? Were, okay, they that, were that would be. A lot where it's really the only reason why they killed. Me. I guess so. Yeah. You thought I mean, this was, was your moment, uh, Mitch. Shame on you. Uh, well, <laughs> thanks for waiting. Thanks for giving me the moment. And then uh, one that I'm, I don't know if you guys would be familiar with from Megadeth in 2007, "You're Dead." The the lyric particularly that really just resonates with me, and it's so much fun to hear Natalie sing it because she just she throws it out there all the time for people who cut us off in traffic or people that are like <laughs> terrible on the TV or for certain politicians or whatever. But she's like, the li- the lyric is one day I'll dance on your grave. Even if you're buried at sea, my God, that's I a good lyric. Actually, yeah. that is a good lyric. <laughs> I mean, that's, a, that's a nice quality, very attractive quality. She sounds cool as fuck, dude. I love that. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> and then the next one, uh, you ought to know by Alanis Morissette. Oh, yeah. wow. That should have been obvious. Oh man. I, I like that. It was a good one. Uh, and then my next, <laughs> um, next one, I hate myself for loving you. Joan Jett, 1980. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, so sexy. I, I gotta give you props oh, on, your, on your honorable <laughs> mentions there, Mitch. I love them. Oh my God. Like I'm I said, man. Jet. And by the way, Mitch, if you ever uh, want to do a pentatonic uh, style like cover of "You Ought to Know," let's do it. It'll be great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sold. Book that right now. Put it in the calendar. And then the last one for my honorable mentions for Mister Reynolds' book with the chapter title "She Hates Me, I Hate Her." One more minute by Weird Al, nineteen eighty-five. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to say that's one I actually what don't a know. What callback. You guys got oh, to look I love that, that song. I listened to that song on a loop when I was, I had that <laughs> tape cassette. Oh, wait. What's a I'd, cassette? I'd rather, wait, wait, wait. I'd rather spit Wait. I'd, I'd rather spend eternity eating shards of broken glass. Than spend one more minute. <laughs> With One you. more minute. I'd rather you. jump naked <laughs> in a pool full of thumbtacks, yeah. <laughs> or stick my nostrils, or stick my nostrils together with together crazy glue. With crazy glue. <laughs> I remember now. Yes. <laughs> Dive into a swimming pool filled with double-edged razor blades. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Then spend one more minute with you. Wow. <laughs> thank you for taking me there in my memory. I forgot. I love. I you know the lyrics because I love that song. Oh, it's great. I'm crying tears of joy right now. So oh. fun. So fun. That is great. <laughs> Folks, thank you so much for joining one more time in this, the uh, Sad Song series. It's been a blast. So much fun. Really enjoy it. Thanks to Mike, Charlie, and our newest guest, Mel. Thank you for having me. It's been okay. Charlie and Mike. 
It's been okay. It's been all right. Mel, welcome to our chaos. You guys are all right. <laughs> all right. So, hey, for you ruminators out there, make sure you check out the site, Ruminations Radio Network, for a host of other great podcasts, including this one, and a bunch of great guys who are full of thrills and chills and talent. Spills. All manner of things. It's just bills. bills. Like we spilled something. Spills. Yeah, they spilled yeah. the tea. Okay, well, check it out because we're going to come at you with a bunch of great stuff and uh, you'll be able to find a lot of content there. That, whatever uh, you you're dig looking this. for, really. I mean, there's yeah, so pretty much, much whatever you to, want. To, uh, there, there's so much to look forward to. Stay, stay, keep checking up with us. We've got a lot to offer. Yeah. So with that, let a smile be your umbrella and have a great night. You've been listening to Ruminations from the Red Room, brought to you by Ruminations Radio Network. If you like this cast or want to find some other great podcasts, join me on Brevity Box, a discussion about life, the universe, and everything in 2020. You can check it out in all the other podcasts at ruminationsradionetwork.com.